All right. Good morning, everyone. Um, it is so good to be here. Uh, I, as Pastor John mentioned, our family, we just moved here uh, this past summer. We moved from Wisconsin, where we had been pastoring a church up there, and we moved here to the Atlanta area. Um, I'm now serving in a role with our denomination, and so privileged to be here. I met Pastor John a couple times in the past at different conferences and things, and uh, just felt like, you know, I could really sense that he, he loves the Lord and he loves this church. And uh, I, I could tell that there are great things going on here at NCA. So I'm, I'm really glad to be here. I'm privileged and uh, thankful for this opportunity. Um, as we get into the word today, um, I'm going to read our passage this morning and then we'll get deeper into it. Uh, I'm not sure if we're good to go here. Let me check here. Let me, let me read the passage, and then we'll get started. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at John chapter 16, verses 16 to 24. John chapter 16, verses 16 to 24. Uh, Paul, I'm not able to control it at the moment, so if you're able to help me out. Okay. Verse 16. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while, and you will not see me, and again, a little while, and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from me. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Um, make sure I get this right. The grass withers, the flower fades. Amen. All right. Can I pray for us as we get into it today? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to worship on this Lord's Day. Thank you that it is by your grace that we are here it is because of your love for us that we go on in this life despite all the struggles and hardships and despair that this life can bring. We pray that as we look into the word this morning that you would feed our hearts so that we would be able to rise in faith because you are the one that nourishes and sustains us and strengthens our heart to face another day. We thank you so much for this church and for the ministry going on here. Continue to speak to our hearts. Grow us as a church. Help us to love you as a body. We praise you and we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Uh, as we begin, I'd like to ask you just to take a little survey with me. A simple survey, just something mentally we're going to do. And on a scale of 1 to 10, think to yourself, how is your level of personal joy? So if your heart is like a bowl or a cup, and joy is like a liquid, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is someone could slash the tires of your car, steal your cell phone, you could hurt your ankle today, and you'd still rejoice. That's 10. 1 is just you're in the pit of despair. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rank your joy? Think about that number. Be honest, what is that number for you? Not last week, not last year, not in 2019, but right now. What is that number for you? Hold on to that number, we're going to come back to it. Today we're looking at this passage which occurs at the end of John chapter 16. Now, in order to understand this passage that we just read this morning, it's helpful and important to also think about what's going on in John 15, especially at the end of John 15. Now, I have it on the screen here. You see the endings of John chapter 15 and John chapter 16. In John chapter 15, there's this phrase that your joy may be full. In John chapter 16, there's also this phrase that your joy may be full. So it seems to me that the heart of Jesus for his followers is he wants their joy to be full. And that's why this morning we're going to talk about this idea and we're appealing to our hearts, appealing to us as a church, saying, church, let us pursue joy. Now remember that number between 1 to 10 where you rated your level of personal joy? I'm sure that most of us probably are not at a 10. Hopefully we're not at a 1. If you are, please talk to Pastor John immediately after service today. But we are somewhere in between. Now why is it that there is a gap between maybe whatever you are, 5, 6, 7, and what, why is there that gap between that and 10? Maybe you're thinking about this nearly year-long pandemic that we're going through. Maybe what comes to mind is a relationship that disappointed you. Maybe there's stress in your own family right now. Perhaps there's financial strains that you're going through. Well, today here in John 16, Jesus is preparing his disciples for what is to come for his followers after he dies, after he resurrects from the dead and he leaves this earth. Because he's preparing them for a season that's going to come that is not going to be an easy one. You think 2020 was hard? This is a season that his disciples were going to face that was going to be difficult. He warns them, you're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. Your lives are going to be in danger because of the message you preach. People are going to persecute you and try to kill you. You will feel alone. You will feel discouraged. But through it all, Jesus was teaching them that they could pursue joy. They could pursue joy. 
So this message that he has for his followers, this message is for you and I. Because we too, as the church, we can pursue joy. Whatever kept you from number 10 on the survey, no matter what is happening, he wants you and I to pursue joy. So what we'd like to do is we'd like to think about joy from this passage. I'm going to talk about four lessons about joy. You should see them on the screen. First, we'll talk about the promise of joy. Second, the pattern of joy. Third, power of joy. Fourth, perfection of joy. Promise, pattern, power, and perfection. The four things. So first of all, let's think about this idea of promise, promise of joy. Again, if I could read verse 20, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but, here's the promise, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Now, I want to emphasize how this verse says that your sorrow will, there's that important word, it will turn into joy. Notice that it's a definitely will. It's not saying it's possible. It's not saying it's just maybe going to happen, but it's a certainty. It's a promise that Jesus is making to his followers that their sorrow will turn into joy. Now, remember again, here's Jesus preparing these disciples for life without him when he leaves this earth. Others are going to try to kill him and there will be sorrow. He begins by saying that they will weep and lament. But there's a promise that they are to hold on to and cling to. It's that their sorrow will turn into joy. That's the promise for a follower of Christ. That's the promise for a Christian. Just as Revelations chapter 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It's a promise that we have that our sorrow will turn into joy. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. Our joy, it's not just a possible joy. It's not just a probable joy. It's a promised joy. If I could share what to illustrate this, as I mentioned, my family, we just moved here from Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, here to the Atlanta area. And, you know, we loved living in Wisconsin. Last 12 years we were there. And there were, it was a great time. But coming here to Atlanta, there's definitely some, some benefits of living here in Atlanta. And one of those benefits is, you know, you have to understand in Wisconsin, there were there was like no access to Korean food and restaurants and things like that. But coming here to Atlanta, oh my goodness, coming here to Atlanta, it's just everywhere, accessible. And so in Madison, we had always heard about this thing called Korean fried chicken, 
When we watch Korean dramas on Netflix, we had always seen people eating Korean fried chicken. But in Madison, Wisconsin, there was no Korean fried chicken, there was just Kentucky fried chicken. And so there's this sense of, wow, when we get there, we, we need to try this. We need to have this. So we drive down, we're moving from Madison down here, it's a 12-hour drive. And do you know what I put into the GPS? I did not put in the address of our new house that we are moving into for the first time. I put into our GPS the address of a restaurant on McGinnis Ferry that I knew serves Korean fried chicken. And so we drove those 12 hours knowing that this GPS was taking us there to the promised land, knowing that we're going to get there, and there's this anticipation. It was a promised joy that we would get at the end of our journey. So we picked it up, moved into our house that late night, and that was the first thing that we did here in Atlanta. And it was joy. It was joy. It was promised joy. You know, the journey of our lives, it can often be filled with lots of ups and downs. It can be filled with times of discouragement and despair. But it's a journey. And on this journey, Jesus promises you and I that no matter what sorrow, no matter what hardship, no matter what struggle, no matter what pain, no matter what obstacles, no matter what circumstances, his promise is that he will turn to joy. Do you believe that? We live as children of this faithful promise, this old promise, this promise that was given to our parents, Adam and Eve. And they messed up in the garden as we learned today. But it's a promise that God has been faithful to from Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even now. And Jesus fulfilled that promise and made it possible through his death and resurrection. And we are children and heirs of that promise. This is his promise for us, the promise of joy. So first, we think about this promise of joy. Secondly, we want to talk about the pattern of joy. Again, here in the same verse, look at verse 20 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Now, I want to focus here on this idea of pattern. The pattern that we've been talking about here is not just the sense of promise, but the pattern is also very important. First, there is sorrow, and then secondly, there is joy. Chronology here is important. Sorrow is followed by joy. You know, there are people who preach and teach that Christians can expect everything to be painless in this life, everything to be prosperous. But Jesus seems to explain and describe a pattern here where sorrow comes first, and it leads to joy. This is the pattern of the Christian life. There's Friday suffering. There's Sunday resurrection. There's the price paid on the cross. There's the prize received through Christ. There is sorrow and hardship in this world, but there is joy coming in the next we have seasons of spiritual winter when your relationship with God might be hard. 
but we have seasons of spiritual spring when God seems so alive in your heart. Perhaps as you're here or as you're watching online, there's some kind of pain or sorrow right now for you. Can I encourage you? Hang in there. Hang in there. Because the pattern of life is one where joy is coming. Joy is on the horizon. Hang in there, believing with your faith in him. Hang in there, because the pattern is that joy is coming. We talked about the promise of joy. We talked about the pattern of joy. Third, we want to talk about the power of joy. Look at verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into this world. So Jesus uses this illustration of a mother giving birth to her child. This mother will be in severe pain, anguish as suffering comes because of this labor. But as soon as this baby comes out, what happens? She holds this baby. She hears the baby crying. And in that moment, all of her pain and her anguish is completely forgotten. And she is overwhelmed and overcome with such joy. Her joy is so powerful. And it makes her forget what has happened in the last hours where she's been screaming and crying and cursing out her husband. She's been going through all these things, and all of a sudden that is all forgotten because of this joy that has overtaken her heart. Think about a woman, what a woman goes through in this process of giving birth. I haven't gone through it personally, but I've been there twice observing. There's gestation pain, right? She is carrying this child in her womb, you know, many women during that time cannot stand certain smells. They vomit if they encounter that smell. After a while, they feel like they're carrying a watermelon for 24 hours a day. It's hard to sleep. There's gestation pain. There's birthing pain. For hours, sometimes even days, a woman is experiencing contractions. Her body is changing so that the baby can come out. There's expansion, 10 centimeters. There's agonizing pain as this is all happening. This watermelon-sized child has to come out of her. That's why a mother loves her child so much, because of the great pain she endured to give birth to that child. And there's recovery pain. Healing has to happen. It takes months, weeks, for all that to heal. So a woman's pain is so great but Jesus says that pain is quickly forgotten as soon as she sees her baby. That doesn't mean that her pain went away. Doctors are fixing things and healing her. There's pain, there's pain there, but her joy overpowers her anguish. You know that birthing scene in the hospital where she's screaming one moment and she's crying in joyful tears the next. That's power. That's powerful. That's how powerful this joy that Jesus is talking about can be for us in our lives. I think it's this kind of joy that Jesus wants you and I to experience. 
not only in heaven, but right now. In life's journey, he wants us to experience this. You know, I think a lot of times our perspective on the things that we face make all the difference. When we were living in Madison, just, you know, less than a year ago, if we were there right now and waking up, this morning I woke up and I look outside of my window and it's rain. If we were waking up today in Madison, you know what I would have seen? Not rain, but I would have seen a blizzard. I would have seen snow. Now, as someone myself who has always grown up in the colder states, East Coast, Philadelphia, Minnesota, places like that, Chicago, I've always lived in places where it's cold. Now, after all of these years, I'm done. <laughs> I'm here and I'm done. Because when you live in cold for a long time, it, it, it's hard. And those long winters, shoveling snow, slipping on the sidewalk with ice, it becomes hard. And as I become older, I realize that I become a grumpy old man when it comes to snow. But I think back just a few months ago, just last, last winter, it's about perspective. My perspective is, I don't like the snow anymore. I, I hate the snow. When it snows, I think about shoveling. When it snows, I think about slipping and falling. But if your perspective is different, it changes everything. I think about my daughter. She loves the snow. She loved going outside when it was snowing and it was freezing outside. I want to show you this quick video. There's no sound, but watch this video. This is in our backyard. Now the reason there's no sound in this video is because I'm inside the window taking this video. I'm not outside, I'm inside the window because I don't want to go out there. But what's interesting is that as she went out there, no hat, it's like five degrees out there, it's freezing. After I recorded this video, I was watching her experience the joy of being out there and sledding and loving it so much. And what happened is her joy was powerfully contagious and it started to influence this grumpy old man to the point where as I saw her and the joy on her face, I thought, wow, you know what? I'm going to bundle up. I'm going to go out there, put everything on, go out there. And for a few times, I, I sledded with her. <laughs> There's no video of that, thankfully. But I sledded with her. And it was fun. There was joy in it. So it's the power of her joy that overwhelmed me, was contagious to me, and it helped me to experience joy, even though it was the same situation and circumstance. But our perspective was different, but my perspective also changed because of the power of that joy. It helped me to forget how much I hate the snow. 
And so sometimes the joy that Jesus wants to bring into our life, it can overcome the despair and overcome the pain and whatever we're going through at times when we start to focus on the joy that he wants us to have. So we talked about the promise of joy. We talked about the pattern of joy. We talked about this power of joy. And finally, we'd like to look at the perfection of joy. And look at verse 23. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. So here he says, in that day when we see him face to face, oh my gosh, can you imagine? This day when we see him face to face, there will be nothing to pray about. Can you imagine that day when everything is made perfect? You don't need to pray because everything is made perfect. You don't need to repent because sin no longer exists in your heart. You don't need to ask God for anything because death, disease, sickness, poverty, and pain is no more and redemption is complete. But until then, he tells us, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, this is not a warrant for us to get whatever we want just because we pray for it. We learn from the Lord's Prayer, from the phrase, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Asking or praying is to take place in the context of building his kingdom. It's about living for him. But here Jesus is explaining that until now, he's been with them, but he's going to leave for a little while. And they need to ask, which means they need to pray in his name. What do they need to pray for? They need to pray for whatever is needed to expand the kingdom while he's gone. Jesus is saying that this is how our joy will be full. Because we are asking and praying in Jesus' name and consumed with living for his kingdom, something greater than ourselves. And it's when we're consumed with building his kingdom, our heavenly father's kingdom, and we're praying accordingly that we start to pray prayers of joy in that way. That's why John 15, right before this, emphasizes vine and the branches. We're connected to him, the word of God in us. John 16 emphasizes the joy that we receive as we pray in his name for the sake of the kingdom. So what's going on here is Jesus desires us to pursue joy. Many times when we try to live for our own kingdom, God, I pray for this because I want it. God, give me this because this is what I want. This is what my family wants. God, give me this. Many times we can be praying for our own kingdom and we struggle and we get frustrated when things don't go our way. But when your heart's orientation is to live for his kingdom, life takes on a different simplicity, a sense of purpose. And there's a joy that we experience when we start making it not about me, but about him. There's a different joy. So as you think about this passage, we can see joy from these four different ways. Promise of joy, pattern of joy, power of joy, and perfection of joy.
You know, years ago, um, I was pastoring at a church in Philadelphia uh, near the UPenn campus. And um, during that time, we were about to start another church location in the suburbs of Philadelphia. So my senior pastor and I, we went out to this church in the west suburbs of Philadelphia to meet with that church. And one of the things that we needed, because we were going to borrow that church, we needed to meet this, this group of women. And um, we were asked to have a meeting with them, these elderly women in the church. And I remember this meeting so well, and I'll never forget it. These five women, maybe all in their 70s or 80s, they were so beautiful with gray hair and their wrinkles. They were so beautiful. And these five women were such close friends because they had journeyed in their life together through many ups and downs. What I always remember is when they shared with us the name of their little woman's group. Their name, the name of their little woman's group was called Joy, J-O-Y. And they explained why their group was called Joy. And it's an acronym for them, which stands for Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Isn't that good? Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Now these women were near the end of their journey. They had all lost their husbands. They had gone through so much together. And they found that putting Jesus first, others second, and yourself last was the secret, the secret of their joy, of their journey. I think about myself. I think about many people I know, maybe some of you as well. We know that putting Jesus first, his kingdom come, other second, yourself last. We know that that's the call we have as followers. We know that that's the way that we experience true joy. But if you're like me, you struggle with that at times. You might put yourself first, others second, and Jesus last. And you get Y-O-J. That doesn't spell joy. That doesn't spell anything. Other times you might put others first, and Jesus second, and yourself last. That's O-J-Y. That doesn't spell anything. I don't know what that spells. Jesus is in there somewhere, but he's not first. Jesus is in there. That's why we're here. That's why we're watching online, because Jesus is in there. But when he's not first, it just doesn't get spelled right. It's only when you get the order right and you spell J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, yourself last, then our joy is full. Then our heart is in the right place. Then we experience the joy that he wants us to pursue and he wants us to have. I hope and pray that we as a church would experience this kind of joy. And it only takes place when we get the order right. Pray that we would experience this kind of joy. Church, let us pursue joy. Shall we pray together? Can I ask you just to take a few seconds and pray? 
before I close us. If you could just examine your own heart as I examine my heart. I'm sure Jesus is in there somewhere. But does it start with Jesus? Is it first Jesus? Or are you trying to misspell it? Starting with O, starting with Y. Let's take a moment and pray and reorient our hearts, calibrate our hearts so that joy can be experienced by putting Jesus first. Just take a few seconds before I close in prayer. Let's turn to him. Trust him. Put our faith in him. He promises this joy for us. Just pray a few minutes, a few moments. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done on the cross. We thank you that you laid down your life on our behalf. We thank you that we do not have to come with the righteousness of our own, but Lord, it is in you that we put our faith and our trust. And you make us children heirs of this covenant promise. God, as we spend this moment in prayer, help us so that we would reorient, recalibrate our lives so that you would not be second or third or fourth and fifth in our hearts, but you would be first. We would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You would be the reason that we have joy. We thank you so much. Strengthen our hearts to love you, to experience the fullness of joy that you call us to. We give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.